Welcome to Tell Me About Your Mother, a podcast for counselors by counselors, where we explore issues related to our profession, filtering them through our professional and sometimes personal and humorous lens. Each episode, Evan, Eli, and Melissa offer food for thought by bringing their experience and humanity to help you strengthen your practice of psychotherapy. We would love to connect with you at contact us at tellmeaboutyourmother.run. Oh, we were talking about funnel recovery. I, I think of this metaphor I use. I don't know where. I, maybe it was in treatment. But it was about like this. No, this is with a client. I just I started a metaphor and didn't know where I was going. But it was about a client who had anhedonia, basically, and mm-hmm. just high depressive symptoms. Mm-hmm. And was having that difficulty exploring what fun would be like. And we were talking. And... I use this metaphor about a surfer, so bear with me. Wait, what is anhedonia? Like lack of pleasure. Can't experience pleasure. So uh, essentially it's like a metaphor to to dictate how the brain reacts to like pleasure stimuli and how that can be stunted based on using substances. Mm-hmm. And over time, like your brain doesn't respond as effectively to like, I don't know, uh, winning a race or something. Yeah. So... There's this guy. There's this boy, and he's raised by his father. They're in uh, they're in Hawaii, and they they love to surf, and his dad and him always connected through surf, and he got his first barrel after like seasons and seasons following all these different like maps of waves and shit. He got his first perfect barrel in front of his father. He had this immediate elation. He had worked years and years of training and trying to graph out where these big waves would be. His dad was there. It was Nirvana. And a couple months later, he went to school, went to college, wherever, um, and started using. And he did a huge line of coke. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is how I felt from yep. that wave. Yep. And he still surfed for a while while using. But eventually he realized, well, why would I surf if I can just do this Coke? Yeah. And so then fast forward, I mean, you can go through the metaphor long, but say, okay, then this guy goes to treatment. He comes out, no cocaine, goes back to Hawaii, hits the best barrel of his life and doesn't care. Yeah. Like he feels nothing. He's expecting this huge elation rush, doesn't get it. So then he's immensely defeated because he's like, well, what's the point? If All I can't, of his receptors are burned out. Yeah, if I can't feel the one love that I had prior to drugs while doing it, why not use? Right. So what people need to understand is just how the brain works and how like synaptic pruning and all that shit. Yeah. And brain reparation works to where eventually this guy can hit a wave and... He will feel that elation. He yep. will feel connected to his father and God or, or how, whatever he experienced from the wave. <laughs> but I was thinking about that when you're talking about fun and going to a camp out or, or, or anything. Bowling. Like all that sounded so corny. Oh, it did. Totally. It, like sounded, it, was, it, it was for it losers. Like total bullshit. <laughs> well, like, and, and even like when, when I got clean, the idea, I mean, you know, that, they, that was something that they would... Uh, yeah. You know, tell me it's when like I was corny. impatient. It's like, yeah, you're you're gonna enjoy going to the bowling alley. <laughs> yeah. It's 
like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 it really was, it has been true for me that that was sort of what proved to me that, you know, this was something that I was interested in. Well, the idea of going bowling in recovery, like I've, I think initially I, I don't have esteem or confidence or the ability to be loose. Right. So like the the idea of doing that, I would feel almost embarrassed. Oh, absolutely. uh, Uptight uptight and self-conscious. Like vulnerable. Yeah, of course. Like the act of bowling in front of others without being fucked up. Absolutely. And so, or dancing or anything. So it's like this level of guardedness to just regular social experience. Right, and, and in recovery, you, you end up with, and again, for me, the camp out was really, uh, was sort of a turning point for me. Um, I think I went to my first camp out with, what, three, eight months clean, something like that. Um, and I'd already been up to, you know, like Will and Terry's house, but mm-hmm. I had this mythical had this mythical sort of camp out thing going and I got there and, you know, uh, that was when I could see that there were people other than just me and Mary Catherine and Roby <laughs> who could, who could be uninhibited, have uninhibited fun. Yep. And uh, by, even just by that sort of simple act of disinhibition, be vulnerable with each other. Um, I mean, you know, I, I've seen vulnerability in meetings. I've seen people cry. I've seen people, um, you know, be real in meetings. But there's something, I don't know, the, the, there's something, well, it's a different sort of vulnerability when well, you... Well, it's play. Yeah, right. Like vulnerability in a meeting or therapy. Yeah. Um, it's not play. I want to go back a second to your metaphor yeah. about the the surfing and the cocaine. Um, I actually think I got some of that metaphor from something you had said. I think you probably yeah. got it from a story that I've, I'm not going to say who it was, but, yeah. but someone that I uh, know very well who used cocaine for the first time and said, holy shit, this feels... This feels as good as when I completed my dissertation, right? And realized, you know, the difference was that instead of going, okay, well, this is my new meaning of life. Now, now I need to feel like this all the time. Yeah, he went, holy shit, that's evil, right? Because there's if, no hard work to experience. Right. It. If I've worked for six years, eight years, whatever it was, and. I can experience that same level of... Instantaneously. Absolutely. Um, well, my mind would be like, let's do that all the time. Sure, me too. Me too, clearly. Although, Coke... Yeah, well, not necessarily Coke. that, but just the... Yeah, no, whatever, that, that whatever drug yeah, of, yeah, that I liked. It absolutely. Was like, no, me too. Let's, let's keep this going. Yeah. Absolutely. Forever. Um. What a good boy. What do you think, Duberman? What What was the question? <laughs> what? Do, what? Just fill me in on what you've heard. Uh, something about having fun in recovery. Yeah, man. I what's still your ex- don't like bowling. What's your experience with that? I don't know. I'm a bit of a sourpuss. <laughs> oh yeah. Why are you a sourpuss? <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
generalized anxiety disorder? I think I think what's happened right now is that there's this parallel process where Daniel and I are talking about vulnerability and play, and then Duberman <laughs> is feeling insecure and guarded mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the idea of doing such. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I do so many alone activities? I, I lift weights alone. I ride my yeah. motorcycle alone. I study alone. <laughs> I work alone. Yep. No relationship. No one loves you. That's right. Yeah. I, what's the key to long-term recovery? I think it's my ex, right? Yes. Yeah. Probably. Should just dive into that relationship. What we should explore is how uh, your TikTok is an algorithm to your amygdala. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't explore that. What, do you want to explore my specific TikTok algorithm? Oh, no. Just maybe in general. No. I'm not knowledgeable enough on the subject. No. But yeah, my, uh, my experience with fun, I don't know. My, I think my uh, first year was so chaotic. Um, Your first year was... Your first year was a pretty amazing thing, actually. Yeah, like, I don't... I mean, I, d- I had fun, but I was also so scared. Um, I mean, there were times, like... Uh, I, I mean, I didn't go to the camp out because I was on house arrest. Right. But, like, I th- my experience with that initially was to be uncontained or, like, to be able to be outrageous Yeah. and not feel fearful of judgment. Yeah. Well, it's like my first experience with fun. Yeah, and you know, I think so that that that, that experience of fun was really important in my I mean, you know, I just keep th- things keep uh, r- rather than articulating something as this is what's most important to me yeah. or this this is what I think is most important for long-term recovery. I I just I think of different episodes that you know affirm my commitment to long term long term recovery. What do you mean? Well, actually, your first your first year is oh, it's an a, is is definitely an episode in my recovery. Um, because I saw, I mean, you know, I I, I of course, was seeing people have fun clean and, and be vulnerable and all that. But then I, I saw what the fellowship can do. Um, you know, th- that was, I don't know if you've already explained that on I don't think the so. podcast or anything. Well, so when, when Evan got clean, um, I don't know if I ever saw you at a meeting high. Um, there was uh, I did Noah. I went one time. I think I saw you, but it was like you probably were right out of treatment. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so yeah. when I was when you were yeah when you were fucking around with the idea of coming in, and I was yeah. Um, well, anyway, w- once once you started coming around clean. Um, You know, I, 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 I mean, I knew you sort of. I knew you through Noah, um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, when 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 you did go on house arrest, 
you were what already five six months clean uh uh-uh. how long like three okay um well so, so i i had known you you know sort of but but then then you couldn't go to meetings and um you know i mean th- th- this was the, the fellowship was still pretty new to me too but I, you know i felt like an old timer um yeah. uh, because i had what 18 months 18 months something like that um and i guess it was i guess it was noah anyway whoever whoever had the idea or was it you who had the idea that you needed meetings at your house? Oh, it was definitely me. That was you, okay. <laughs> yes, like, well, I guess, I mean, I guess Noah, Noah. He told people, associate, hey, there's yeah. this kid that uh, right, can't right. go to meetings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, for, for was it six months of intensive probation? Uh, yeah. Wait. Um, yes. Or more. Yeah. Anyway, for, for. Felt like forever. Six oh, months, I think. He's got a squeaky. Um, Jesus. Uh, for. For that six months, anyway, we went, I say we, I, I was there most times. Um, there were a couple other young guys. There was Jeff um, who went and, we, you know, we had meetings at your house for, what, two, three times a week? Yeah, in um, the basement. In the basement. And, and it, I mean, the, the, the ones that I remember, or when I think of that time, I think of being out in the driveway. Um because yeah, we the, did it outside. Yeah. It was the one meeting in the area that I could smoke in. It was great. That was um, great. Yeah, we chain smoked. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that, that sort of showed me, that demonstrated to me what, because there wasn't really any ego in that, not for me or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of pure concern for another addict. Um, yeah, and also, I mean, there was an intimate aura to it. Absolutely, it, that's how meetings started. There was an intimate aura, and, and and it was it was sort of a self uh, a self regulating meeting in that you know we had people sort of drop in. Oh yeah, from time like, to time, but primarily it was just the people that we actually liked. Yeah, <laughs> but then there'd be like a random newcomer using yeah, yeah, my yeah. parents' bathroom. Oh. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, was this meeting on the schedule? <laughs> no. It it started off it started off as the Please. keep coming. Oh yeah, keep coming. Keep with coming a, with a U. Keep coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the and then keep it coming turned meetings of narcotics. Not, then it became please don't leave. Yeah. yeah. Please don't leave. <laughs> please don't leave. That phrase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, please don't leave. If you do, I might use. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I think too is that um, there's something about meeting, like the space of meeting, and this could go to therapy too. But where the environment is greatly changes the energy of the interpersonal process. Oh, totally. So totally, it's why I can't stand MetaView, Meta Lake. It's why uh, I could never really like Meta Lake or or even Bethel, Bethel. Squicks yeah. me out. It's like the fluorescent lighting. With well, Bethel. and the knowing that Bethel is the the uh, least intellectual of the Presbyterian churches. Oh. <laughs> well, the the nature of meetings of being in churches. Yeah. Um, 
I think does impact that. Okay. But anyway, at my house, it yeah. was, um, yeah, something. It was pure. Yeah, it's hard to articulate. Um, and I remember wishing that there were like video options. Mm-hmm. And then now the entire world is yeah. in Zoom. Like, yeah. my life would have been so much easier. Yeah, it would have, but meeting, meetings really lack something virtual. Oh, yeah, but I literally, like, when I went to meetings out, okay, I went on Sundays, because it was at 3, it was at, because that was the other problem. There weren't meetings before 6 p.m. anywhere around here. Yeah. But also, every time I went to the meeting on Sundays at 3, I was technically out. Out right, of uh, you went out of county. I was out of county. Yeah. So every single Sunday, that was the only meeting I went to, like outside of my house, and I was via- you were like violating, violating probation. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you couldn't like ask your probation officer or like come up with some agreement to let you go to meetings. Not a, not when you have intensive probation. I was able to uh, do that. For oh, it was work fine once, somewhat. and it was fine once you were on just sort of normal probation. Even though you technically weren't supposed to go anywhere, you could let your yeah PO know that you were going to go to the camp out. Um, oh yeah, it's like the fine. first how long? Five years? Yeah, something, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's a long time. Come on up. I couldn't leave the state or county without okay. permission. It's pretty crazy. For five I forget years. about that. Was it five years? I think it was. It was a long time. Just think about when we were going to Carowinds, knowing that we were breaking the law every time. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I would walk into, or I would walk yeah, yeah. into South Carolina. <laughs> right, and be like, Ooh. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go to drop zone. Yes. Now I'm breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know why they would not allow me to go to meetings. That was pretty ridiculous. Well, it really was. Um, but anyway, you, you. I mean, it. it their being ridiculous, I think, played, again, it played important parts in a lot of our recovery. Certainly mine. Yeah. I think definitely Jeff's. Um, no. Actually, I think today may be his clean date. Today or tomorrow may be Jeff's. I need to look that up. Um, yeah, Noah. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to go there um <laughs> but, but uh i doubt he would ever listen to this yeah um anyway it was it was it was a sort of pure time and i don't know i i've always i've always enjoyed here 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 we can get into sort of my psychology um i have always I mean, from the time I was, uh, as long as I can remember. I mean, so as a kid, too, I, I, I've always felt like the responsible one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have plenty of, plenty of uh, reasons, if, if I want to analyze it, I have plenty of episodes in which, you know, being the adult was expected of me and that sort of grow up fast sort of, sort of thing. But... In recovery, you know, I, I've I have enjoyed sort of bringing others, not 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 uh, 
not taking responsibility for anyone else except in that, no, we're not going to go into this restaurant at 7.30 if it closes at 8. Um, and no, if you have $13, you can't afford the $12 burger. Um, <laughs> That's anger. You know, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> I mean... I didn't pull that. I well, maybe the, like the yeah, later dinner stuff. Um, uh, I, 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 I did always tip. Yeah. Um, but like... I've I've always enjoyed that sort of um, almost paternal role, and you know it 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 irritates me when when I can't control that sort of situation. And you're 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 at times you have been very very good at. Uh, jumping up and down on that quite intentionally and and pushing me. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Dude, what do you want to talk about? Why do we keep coming back to me? Because that is well. it doesn't work. Look, like you can't just be here <laughs> silent and expect me to ignore it. Mm. You, I usually can't get you to shut up. I don't want to ruin your podcast. Oh. <laughs> we just keep continuing with your self-deprecating humor. Mm. I thought I wasn't supposed to do that anymore. Well, you heard it from well, me. There's Only a difference. When it's for the entertainment of others, it's fine. <laughs> there's a difference between self-deprecating humor and shitting on yourself. Yeah. Which one's the Your dog is deep throating his foot. <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> 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 he's he's, he's yeah, sitting over here gagging himself <laughs> side. <laughs> <me. laughs> That's disgusting. It's funny how small he gets. Like he looks he looks like he weighs forty pounds. Yeah. He's, in well, a he's also beside a huge yeah. walrus of a man. How much does he weigh? Uh eighty five. Really that much? Wow. Well, I haven't weighed him, but that was what the previous owner told me. So, Durman, let's let's explore the origins of you narrating your days to people on the telephone. You keep referring to me by my last name. <laughs> that, that's your name. That could dude. be your first name. It could have been your that, first name until yeah. you just until you just outed yourself. Yeah, that's true. Mm. What do you want me to call you, fucking Jerry? Doby. Jerry. Jerry. Do you want to be Jerry? Mm. <laughs> so, okay. I think I'm sure that everyone should have something to uh contribute to this but something that i have noticed particularly in um well this is something that i've noticed in myself and my network mates um is that when when we are in 12-step recovery those of us who really engage spend an awful lot of time in sort of uh, self-analysis and 
the 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 buzzword, I guess, is find your part. Right. Um, wh- wh- what's your part in this? And I have noticed in in many people or a few people for for particularly those who have traumatic pasts and and childhoods that line up with Are you talking about me? I am. <laughs> um uh it, it it ends up being an almost neurotic um almost neurotic obsession as far as mm. looking for my part and and taking taking uh responsibility for things that I may not actually have any responsibility for. Um, or even the 1% becomes a fixation, which then absolutely. scales as the 99. Right. A- a- absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that, so yes, I'm talking about you, but I'm, I'm also talking about other people. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's a really dangerous dynamic uh, because it reactivates. Because the reality is, it, zoom out. Think of like stereotypical um, female being abused by a male. Absolutely, domestic violence yep. case. Um, they're going to be convinced by their abuser and themselves, and indirectly other people in their lives, that it's something they must have done mm-hmm. to deserve. See what you made me do. Abuse, and so like I do think that's what I've explored in the last year. That's shown me a lot of growth and and relationships and especially like romantic relationships is how I have like been conditioned and programmed to accept, justify and rationalize, uh, receiving abuse. And in large part, I do that by overly criticizing my part and like stretching it out really thin, picking it apart and it it, indirectly absolves any responsibility to the person who's harmed me. Sure. So how do you how do you handle that when when you have clients that you recognize the same pattern in? With the programming, um, well, something recently I've begun to use that's interesting is thinking about family dynamics as old operating systems, or like okay. a previous version of software. Sure. And so, like, you get these updates, and then, like, the hardware doesn't work, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the idea of our family of origin or caretaker, whoever, we're conditioned to program roles. And maybe for you, it's, like, parenting others. Or for me, it's accepting Mm -hmm. being yelled at Mm -hmm. or a slew of other things. But that operating system creates this reenactment. Mm -hmm. And so... How I process that with clients is is ideally, I do, it's more psychoanalytic, I guess. Like, I think of myself as, uh, as to be as opaque as possible, and to, I read it in a book somewhere, essentially be a mannequin. And so their transference will dress me, and then I can actually converse with them in that. So, like, they'll reenact perceptions right. or misperceptions or... Yeah, who who is that? That, 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 that? There's a whole theory. Yeah, but it would be like like something, I don't know, like a client is crying, and I can say, what do you think I feel as you cry? Or mm-hmm. I can bring myself into it. Or like, mm-hmm. um, where 
how old is this tier? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's nine. Where were you? I was in the kitchen. Where is your mom? She had just slammed the door or yeah. something like yeah. that. Like you get to to realize that. But that it's just attachment um, theory. Like the the operating system reprogramming, programming. Mm-hmm. It's all about how like those paternal maternal attachments are influencing perceptions and romantic yeah. relationships. But yeah, I think like that's one faulty part of recovery. It's not I wouldn't say faulty. It's not trauma informed. Yeah, you're right. There, well, like there's, there's a lot in 12-step that's not trauma-informed. A right, lot. but that that's like a real easy adjustment. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like the danger in that, um, because I, I, I mean, I hear people um, with 20 years talk about how fucking neurotic their wife is, and they're right. like, yeah, well, I did it to her. And yeah. I'm like, dude, that was fucking 20 years ago. Yeah. The reality is she wants you to believe that bullshit. Consciously or unconsciously. Right, because yeah. it keeps the guy on his on his toes. He always has to apologize, be emasculated, and yeah. maneuver around her outrage. Yeah. Like that's that's where the whole um treatment, like family treatment, isn't just people sitting on bleachers just clapping their fucking hands. Like that's what families think it that family therapy is for an addicted person. Hello. Yeah, you should lie down. That was a good jump. Buddy wants Duberman to talk. (laughs) See? Put your balls on him. Well, I think, too, my uh, therapist... I don't know if that was her idea or my idea. I started hugging trees, and uh, mm. it sounds silly. But, like, I had realized, it gets a little heady here, but I was kind of wondering, like, okay, how does trauma affect my, my energy or my vibrations? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff that we probably don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, there's, like, a channel that's blocked. Like, I'm not, like, the... Like the ability to feel and experience joy. Like, I don't remember the, I mean, I have in the last year or two, but prior to then, like, I really don't remember ever feeling that. Right. Which is abnormal. And I think a lot of that's just from trauma. And so, like, how do I open this channel up to then receive it and accept it? It could be joy or, like, actual love, not like, Oh, you're a project that I need to fix. This Spiritual is love. Connection. But like to accept, yeah, an actual connection from yeah. someone. Yeah. Um, because the reality is a part of the trauma too is like, oh, I feel most connected when I'm having to like. What? He wants in there. Oh. Feel most connected. He's got his face right on the yeah, microphone. He had his nose on the, on the afro. Hold on. What do you. I think he just wants to sit right next to me. No, I think he wants to be in there. Well, go on. You're going to have to lean forward. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Good boy. Good boy. He's trying to insert the microphone now. 
Yeah. You better lean back. Just lean back. You sit down, and then he will... He'll settle. What was I saying? Uh... I'm not sure. Oh. Oh, oh hugging trees. Yes. Um, Blowing out the spiritual pipes. Yeah, because... I think of that, like what is my idea of love and a lot of my past relationships if i have to work on it hard and i have to like constantly have this deep level of self introspection and like like accountability like all this shit then that like seemed to influence my love like in in terms of like strengthening its the feeling of it mhm but that's all fucked up. Like, it, it's all just chaotic. It's like a condition to chaos and pain and suffering. And so I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? So I, I started to run, and then I would go and I'd meditate on the floor. And the first time I did this, I was trying to med- the, the The task was to meditate on the feeling of joy. Mm-hmm. I failed it tremendously. I didn't even think about how bad I had failed it. I thought of joy, and then I, th- I immediately then just saw all these memory frames of the absence of it. Ah. So, like, just all yeah. this blurry memory of, like, being yelled at or, or hit or right. thrown out, whatever, or just crazy shit. And I was crying, and it felt like I was really connected. I was like, this is powerful, all this stuff. And then when I touched base with my therapist... She's like, well, yeah, you're only intimately connected to your pain and suffering. I was like, oh, there we go. Mm -hmm. And that that parallels to romantic relationship too. It's like I feel most connected when I'm painful when I'm painfully suffering, trying to create resolution, solution, and minimizing chaos. And your 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 experience of love. Yeah, that was my life. Is is completely tied up with this again, sort of neurotic, <laughs> neurotic. You, you can't love X unless you're working on yourself, right? And working on yourself in a neurotically responsible sort of way. Or I can't be loved, right? Yeah, like right. I can't actually be. Well, loved you can't by accept love. Yeah, absolutely. But I also am not pursuing people that would accept me for who I am. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, I know. So it's uh, all I just constantly paralleling. <laughs> and I'm, sh- I'm sure this guy over here has ample things to say about this. He's not going to. No doubt. But, um, yeah, so I was hugging this tree. <laughs> no, I, uh, so I was meditating on the floor, had no realization of like how poor, I guess I wasn't failing the task because it was actually no task is fail if you assess it properly. So we assessed it, and I realized the pain and suffering conditions <laughs> response. There you go with the neurotic self-assessment again. Yeah, but yeah. I, I was like, oh, I went to pain and suffering, and that's because I, also like if I'm in a breakup or something, I feel like 
or if I'm writing like a really deep, fucked up, existential, sad song, mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, it's like I've just finished an acid trip. Like I understand on some deep, intimate, God level something. Like right. it's like I feel more connected <laughs> and grounded in that. Well, it's it's emotional release. Yeah, and you're it's, describing emotional release. And it unfortunately, it's uh, the easiest way for me to connect with myself is right. through like pain and suffering. Right. So anyway, she began to acknowledge that, and I ended up doing it in session too. Like we'd talk about something, and then I would make a joke, or I would go to like some like crazy situation, and then she'd be like, "Well, you just went back to pain and suffering again." I'm like, oh shit! So it was even in my like language and just conversational language. So then, I don't know who decided I should hug trees. Well, no, I was walking. This is kind of metaphorical. When I was a director, I was walking down. Uh, what, I can't remember what road it is. I'm walking down the road, and I look up one day, and I just see this enormous tree. Like, I don't know, it's probably 100 years old, mm-hmm. maybe older. Mm-hmm. And I'd never noticed it. I was like, what the fuck? And I was just drawn to it. I went up to it and I touched it and I felt light. Like I felt, um, I felt lighter, but I also felt energy or like some mm-hmm. kind of bright. It felt bright, like putting a lemon in your mouth or something. It was like, I don't know. And I think that my, cause I was already doing my own work in this way, like this energy stuff. And I was, I guess it helped me like notice this thing and then also be drawn to it. And then also like open myself up to whatever I had created as an archetype in my mind as to what it was, blah, blah, blah. So obviously I'm like, the archetype is like maternal love mm-hmm. embodied in this tree. Mm-hmm. And I went there every day and I hugged the tree. Mm-hmm. And like, this goes back to bowling and early recovery. Like, <laughs> well. It also it also goes back to Ocean Isle Beach, or it, it circles back to Ocean Isle Beach because the last time we were down here, we oh, went to see a, a yeah. super old live oak that's supposed to be something like a thousand years old. Yeah, or that something thing's shit. badass, and it is badass. But Jesus fucked it up. Oh yeah, it had a like weird. Yeah, yeah, it has a weird Jesus thing. for. Jesus it's saves. almost well. It's it, it, it's it quotes some scripture. Um, Oh, this was around the time of Christ or something. It was around in the time of Christ, yes. Um, And then I thought it... Therefore, you should pay our church. (laughs) Well, yeah, anyway, whatever it was, it it fucked up the mood. Um, There was a placard or something? Yeah, there's a sign on it. We'll (laughs) we'll look it up. We'll look up a picture. There's a photo of me with it so I can show you. Yeah, yeah. Um, So as you were, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll lighten things up here a good bit since we've... Talked about my trauma. Talked about trauma. Well, I'm, I'm about to liken your trauma to porn. Oh, so, well, um, that's kind of related too. We could go there. Uh, uh, as, as you were talking about, essentially associating love with or or being lovable with taking responsibility for things that aren't yours. Neurotic self-assessment. And, neurotic self-assessment and and pain and suffering. Yes. All, 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 I, all I was thinking of was uh, ruined orgasms. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like I'm edging. They're which, just like, nope. Right, right. Walk exactly. away. Well, Tell w- me I'm worthless. Walk away or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, edging, walk away, or edging, bring you to the cusp and then kick you in the balls. 
Yeah. Um, and tell 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 you you're pitiful. Right. Right. You're disgusting. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking disgusting. That's like that's that embodiment of a lot of my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'd, I'd I'd prefer that as opposed to the long drawn out two year long thing. But yeah, yeah. Well, you can have a microcosm of that every time you're in the bedroom. That's true. Yeah. Now we're lock talking it about up. something I can speak on. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if we might not get your your participation yeah. with. <laughs> with ruined orgasms, yeah, yeah, and uh, cock and ball torture, yes. Mm. <laughs> uh, a microcosm of my last relationship. Yeah, do you need to process some of that? I should. I really should. I imagine what, what you can uh, relate you have... to a lot of what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I can. I can. What happens when you have two individuals in a constant state of neurotic self-assessment? Uh, toxic relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, is it neurotic self-assessment, or is there one in neurotic self-assessment and one in neurotic assessment of the other? Well, it, and then that's there's this constant state of neurotic assessment of the relationship itself. Yep. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar, too. And whether or not it's quote-unquote healthy, yeah. whether or not the attachment styles uh, lend well to each other. Love language. Love languages. Oh, if they, Dude, if, they, if, a girl if, says, mesh, you know, if a girl starts telling me love language, I'm going to punch run. her in the nose. <laughs> it's all bullshit, dude. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Yeah, no. It, um, I think when whenever there becomes that dynamic about, let's talk about the relationship, mm. and it becomes incessant, it's fucking done, dude. Mm. Like, every single time that's happened in my relationships, that was the beginning of the end. That would certainly be observationally true in my experience. I mean, it's... I don't know, like, because going back to the energy thing, the Mary, the girl I'm with now, <clears throat> it could all go sideways. Weirder things have happened. But for now, there's like a that same bright energy that I experienced from the tree exudes from her. And it's... It's yeah. Are you saying she's wooden? <laughs> yeah, saying she's hard <laughs> and big and long. Um, but yeah, like like prior to like me trying to reprogram myself, I would probably perceive her as annoying. How so? Because she's attentive. Ah, gotcha. Like attentiveness feels annoying to me without work. Mm-hmm. Like, and it still can creep up on me. And I'll be like, Ugh. but then I think I have like inner dialogue. I'm like, wait, she's just being attentive, dude. Like she's not actually being annoying. You don't have to guard yourself or like withdraw. So where do you see where do you see the the boundary between attentiveness and smothering? Right. Yeah. No. So my my problem is I can misperceive moderate attentiveness as neurotic smothering. Mm-hmm. And then I can withdraw, and that can promote someone being neurotic. Mm-hmm. Like, they can become more smothering. Right. Like, grasping at me. You can make them make them smothering. Yes. So. Just to point out, you're taking, you're taking responsibility for their part again. Oh. Well, no, I can influence it. Like. I, I know what I you're can, saying. Yeah, I can play a part. But, yeah. So. How do I explain? I don't know. Like, my my idea currently is that doing the inner work and like reforming my feeling states within trauma, not just the narrative. 
my feeling states within trauma seem to initiate uh, a, a healthier vetting of people in my life. Like if I, if I, so if I have a certain kind of net that only allows this certain shape in, I have less to sort through once it's in there. If I'm just mm-hmm. like a broadcasted net and like, whatever, if you want to come and love me, great, come on in. That's going to be a lot more complicated, like how to sort through those shapes. And like once conflict arises, it's just way more complicated. But the reality is it's like, okay, now that I know, or now that I've shifted like what I what I seem to value in myself and other people, I don't like... Like, I don't go on a second date with someone that seems fucking guarded or hesitant to hang out again or right, where previously, like stuff like that. Where previously you might have seen that as a challenge as, oh, what am I doing to make this person guarded? Or, I need, oh, I need to bring her, I wouldn't do this, but I'll bring her a rose next time. Like, right. a lot of that is in, is in pop culture, too. Woo her. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, buying Manip- into that. Manipulate, yeah, yeah. Like Frank Sinatra shit. And now it's like, oh no! If it's if that's the precedent now, I've seen this storybook. It does not get different. Like, um, so anyway, it's like that's part of my shit. Is like, okay, pain and suffering, chaos, needing to conflict resolute constantly, needing to self-assess constantly. That's my my archetype of love that's what mm-hmm. i reference so i had to change what that reference was well i think a lot of that although this was true before you went back to school um but when when you're when we're talking about neurotic self-assessment and talking about the relationship as you know we we just got to make it work well, there's that, but we we hear a lot in training. We hear a lot about um, treat the relationship, right? Um, uh, you know, when, when you're, and I want you know, I don't know. I think I think it's perfectly natural for everyone in training when it comes to any sort of um, counseling or social work if they're actually doing uh, therapy training um, yeah. or uh, certain brands of psychology, at least applied psychology. I think it's perfectly natural for all of us to, I mean, it's, it's the oldest sort of joke in the book. I mean, we all diagnose ourselves with every disorder in the DSM the first time we yeah. read on it. Um, but... I think that's related to this neurotic self-assessment. The fact that we're, we're, I mean, I I don't think we would necessarily get into the field if we weren't anyway prone. Right. Prone. Yeah, generally we're observers and empaths, which necessitates self-assessment. And we're we're back to flaws with the 12 steps Um, or, or, or flaws with how they've been traditionally often practiced because well i don't even know if it's a flaw though it's because it's not therapy well that's true that's true but it 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 certainly encourages it certainly encourage i mean the the uh, again people 
I think people take on this identity of, oh, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, an old school. Right. And, you know, the first, the first quest, you know, someone calls you up. Oh my God, my life is terrible. My girlfriend just left me, blah, 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 blah. Well, what's your part? <laughs> oh, I've gotten that recently um, by someone. Uh and you know, I, th- I think that's a that that that's so fucking invalidating. Dude. Well, it's completely invalidating, <laughs> and it's a it's a, it's a reflex that you know I I think it's really unfortunate how common how commonly that is reinforced. Well, I'll tell you something crazy: is that the more work I've done. the less responsibility I take for my addiction. Like yeah. when I look at my life and how I was raised and how I was treated, not just by family, but teachers and mm-hmm. like every, everyone that touched me like, well, no fucking shit. Yeah. Your addiction was a response to your environment. I mean, like just, just biologically I was put on Ritalin at five. Right. Right. Like even that construct alone could have created this immense predisposition. Oh, so, Absolutely. I'm like, I don't know. I don't. I have like zero, zero shame about my use because yeah. I just look at. Yeah, I look at my upbringing and I'm like, well, what else would have happened? Well, I think there's also yeah. a big difference between. So I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't have an upbringing to. My my addiction stemmed, you know, in part from circumstance, but but. Uh, I, I definitely don't have a, I don't have a background that any sane person would look at and go, oh, well, no shit, he's an addict. Right, and that's not um, always a determinant. But right, uh, y- you do. Um, so it's been an easy ticket. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it's like, ah, well. <laughs> that's right, you have an excuse. For sure. I yeah. have no excuse. Yeah. No, you did. We could unpack that if you'd like. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, we all have excuses, and, and uh, but... Objective. Well, I look at them as ex- explanations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, th- you know, I, I think that we. I mean, in, in, there's a big difference between feeling shame for your addiction or guilt or what, whichever mm. self-assessing, whichever uh, neurotic self-assessing. Emotion yeah. you want to label it. Um, there's a big difference between feeling guilt for the addiction and feeling guilt for the things that you did during the addiction. Um, that's a that's a major, I think, distinction. Yeah, like I, of course, yeah, like I, yeah, I don't have shame or guilt for my addiction, but obviously, I did some crazy shit. Yeah, that hurt people. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I mean, that that's the. But also, I was on such an autopilot. Like, the, I didn't, people talk about, oh, like, I had this thing inside of me that said, you better not do this. Dude, that shit died. When did you like, start using it? Like, for years. I didn't have one thing in my mind that was like, hey, Evan, you shouldn't do this. How old were you when you started using My it? brain or me? Like You. How old were you? Well, my brain, it was five, but me, That's 12. True. Okay. So, well, either, either way, either way. But I was on stimulants at five. Yeah. Or six. But you weren't using emotionally at at five or six. But it affected my emotions the yeah. same. Yeah. Um, I was like a I was like a zombie. Yeah. 
or just a shell of a person? So, I mean, it makes sense to me that you're... It makes sense that you wouldn't have that voice that others talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah, not really. It would make sense that your inhibition would be retarded. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had those uh, after, if I, w- if I would have gotten cough or something, I had it. It's your superego. Yeah. You have a retarded superego. Yeah, it didn't get formed. Every time I was left in the crib, my superego just got robbed. Cradle robbed. <laughs> yeah. But what were we talking about? Sorry, I don't know. We went down a... Yeah. Um Oh well I was I was talking about trying to do energy work. Yes. Well and how abstract all that really is. Like it's it is fascinating when I think about that because that happened like nine months ago when I was meditating and trying to pr- like f- channel feelings of joy mm-hmm. and then like going into all this trauma and then like a whole you know I I pride myself on self assessment but a whole five days went by I talked to my therapist and I didn't I didn't even notice yeah that my trauma was still robbing me of joy basically so it's like. I'm not allowed to have joy. So, therefore, I need to construct all my self-narrative, my self-perception, and my relation to others to also not have joy. And to make excuses for people in my life that don't give me it. And keep them in it. Like, not properly gatekeep for myself. So I'm I'm curious about the practicalities of that gatekeeping. What do you mean? How how I mean since you're thinking about this as a sort of uh, force field that only lets certain shapes through, right? Or like a uh, yeah, a net, yeah. yeah. Um, to whom do you apply this test, and how do you apply it? Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, what I'm talking about now would be mostly with dating. Okay. Yeah, like just these patterns I would see in early phases of meeting people that like I would overlook. Like like um something as simple as like I've seen someone and then there's just an absence for like 3 weeks and then they're like oh, sorry, I didn't get back to you, or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I can be like, oh, well, they're busy. Well, now I start making excuses and all that. The reality is I was in grad school, had an internship, mm-hmm. had a relationship, mm-hmm. all, all this stuff. Like, if I'm intentional and I know what I want and I want to spend time with people, they know it. Yeah. Like, they don't have to go months and wondering. Yeah. So, like, stuff like that, now I can pick that up pretty quick. And I'm like, no, Evan, I don't. Like, I don't have to prove anything to this person or myself. Like, just let them, let them go. I don't have to, like, pull them in, basically. Like, get the lasso out. So, 
I'm also curious. I mean, we you know we we have talked a lot about well a lot about neurotic self assessment um, when it comes to your your. I'm I'm curious, and I think I can say it this way now. <coughs> um, but it, with with your last traumatic breakup, how did you? How did you stop that? How did I stop? The self-assessment. So, I don't know. Did I have neurotic self-assessment? Well, really it happened more during the relationship. Yeah, no, because I thought that I, yeah, I figured something out on this one a little. Yeah. Um, I didn't have as, I mean, I had self for sure. Like, you can't alleviate it. But at least in my perspective, my self-assessment was a lot less neurotic. So what, yes, it, 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 towards the end anyway it was. Once it ended. Um, yeah. Um, uh, what, what, During, what, no. It yeah. was definitely neurotic. Yeah. What, what I was wanting, what I was, well, I'm just going to ask it the way I wanted to in a, in a, in a sure. sort of... Uh, uh, you don't have to filter yourself. Well, but, I, well, no, I don't have, I know that you will understand it immediately. But I know I don't know that anyone you know if, if there's em. if there's somebody I have a history of saying fuck it to um, fuck them to the people who listen. So. Well, no, but I, I feel like I have to explain this because it, it's a reference. You will get the humor, and I'll destroy the humor by explaining it beforehand. Um, Just do it and explain but, it after. Apologize later. When did you pull your head out of your ass? <laughs> oh, wait, in that relationship or in general? Just in general. Well. I think that there's multiple answers to that. <laughs> like in terms of relationship, this last relationship. Yeah. Because uh, the, the, the self-assessment um, dynamic. I th- that, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I, now I know where I'm going. What neurotic self-assessment does is it blocks me from feeling. Mm-hmm. So it keeps me in this intellectual frame of reference and it distances me from grief. Mm-hmm. It distances me from rejection, abandonment, sadness, loss, loneliness, all of those things. What I'm doing in that neurotic obsession is, I call it a now, a now and later, right? I'm sucking on a now and later. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel the shit. Mm-hmm. Am I going to do it now or later? So in the intellectual neurosis, I'm blocking myself from all those feelings, but also I'm still carrying them. It's not as though they're in a vacuum held out in Venus, and then when I stop neurotically obsessing, I can go travel to Venus, pick them up, and then bring them back home and feel them, right? So even though I'm not feeling them, they're still in my attic. So it's bleeding all over everybody and me, yet I'm not processing them. I think I am, because I'm intellectually in this thing. So... Being being able to like feel and not wonder why, or have have sadness and not then shift into something in that relationship or whatever. Like think of my sad tearfulness in that moment, right? And and think of it as healing, as opposed to there's something bad happening, right? Right. That's the thing. Is like this is bad. This is wrong. This is dangerous. Well, is it? No. I'm in my car in my driveway. 
I'm an adult. No one's coming to get me. Like, I can rely on myself in this moment. I don't need to call someone and talk about it for three hours. Like, I'll, I'll cry. It will get out. And then I won't cry anymore. Yeah. Like, so, I don't know. There's a, there, that's a multifaceted answer. But that, I think that's what's helped me not, like, neurotically self-assess in breakups is trying to... Because that, you know, it's man's search for meaning. My whole life, I was <laughs> trying to figure out why everyone else was so fucked up. And it must have been me because I was the only one even thinking about why shit was so fucked up. Right. So in doing that after relationships, I just reenact the same shit. So instead of doing that, now I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter. The relationship's over. I don't give a shit why it's over or what I did or didn't do. Maybe I'll figure that out later. It doesn't fucking matter. Well, I just um, need to feel and allow it to feel and to be there for myself. Right. That's it. And once that's the main task, the healing begins. And all the awareness about like, of like, you know, being conditioned to pain and suffering and then absence of joy and not inviting people in that, that harness joy or, or can like be captivating. It's like, I need to date someone that's like a golden retriever. You know, <laughs> not like a fucking, like a fucking wolverine or something. <laughs> I gotta look at somebody and be like, they're like a golden retriever. Well, I think <laughs> not a fucking labyrinth or yeah, a I, pick locking set. And I think that I think that we've I think the way I have articulated the same thing in my life and and, and articulated it talking to you, talking to others is comfort. Um For me, it has always been more important in a relationship to be comfortable than it is to, you know, have have a uh, constant sense of excitement. Like hyper-romanticism. Or, well, certainly romantic. Yeah, certainly hyper-romanticism. Fuck that. That's not me. Um <laughs> Well, comfort, like comfort, comfort in being yourself. Comfortable, to yes. Be comfort in being, comfort in being myself. Um, well, and not having to explain why you are who you are. Right. Like that. Right. That's been a huge shift in this new relationship. It's well, like, and also I don't have to explain it to her. Also, just comfort in. I mean, here I am talking about the relationship itself, um, but comfort, yeah. co- comfort in the relationship itself. Um, you know, I. I I hear a lot from my from people in my network about, and of course I see it in in clients. Um, but you know, I, I and my kids. This this idea that it's almost an equation of love with jealousy, or. Um, like you can't have one without the other, or something, right? And, and that that you know, if you're if you're not if you're not worried about your relationship, you don't you're care not, about it. That's right. You don't value <laughs> it. If you're not worried about it, you don't value it. And that that person. Do you, you have anything to say on that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we may have just activated Durman's trauma. 
<laughs> He's in a trauma trance, dude. <laughs> fucking trauma trance over there. <laughs> the throw you in the ocean, wake you back up. Sorry, uh, go on. But no, I mean that that that's. Uh, I think that is the the mode. I mean, I, I think that's what we get from from pop culture. That's what we get from. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it is it is TikTok I mean, relationship therapist. To, absolutely. <laughs> well, listen to any song written about it. Well, about any song, or I mean, just look poetry. Fucking middle school, man. Movies. Fucking middle, you. I saw you hold his hand. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, just this, the, that, and that sense. I, I'm. I say now. <laughs> I mean, who knows what tomorrow brings? But but that is a very alien thing to me. Daniel, yeah. I have a question for you. Sir. What do you think about when when uh when somebody in a relationship says to the to the other person, if he wanted to, he would? With with respect to anything that that person wants the other person to do. That's like give us a, give us thing. some context. You know, if uh, if he wanted to spend more time with me, he would. That's that's the biggest example that I, I mm. return to. Just that statement makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> It's like so passive and manipulative. The very nature of the statement. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, what would yeah carry on? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, so, that's, so, that's... so elaborate, elaborate. Say it again. If he wanted to spend more time with me, he would. And who is who are they saying that to? That's another question I have. Who are they saying it to? Yeah. Well, talking about talking about their like they would say to you partner. like if you wanted to spend more time with me, you would. Yes. yes. Yeah. And they're like bobbing their head a little when they say it. <laughs> sure, sure. Punch meanwhile, I'm putting fifty-five face, hours in throat. a week. Punch her in the throat. I have my own life. And sure, maybe if I if I reprioritized. But it's not about want. That's well. If he wanted to, he would. I mean, that's you know, if he wanted to take you out every single Saturday for for a date night he would you know if he wanted to give you back rubs he would if he wanted to do all these things he would and are these are these needs that have been that have been expressed or is this a if is this an uh, he should know what i want him to want to do sort of situation uh yeah so i guess needs were expressed there's always needs needs needs. now so I'm hesitant to, to dive into... Well, it's the moving goalpost yeah. uh, conundrum where it's like, hey, I need you to do X and Y. So then you're like, okay, okay. You go do X and Y for a bit. All right, I think I'm doing that. Okay, all right. Hey! What about what R? About a and B and D, yeah. you dick? Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You go A, B, D, Y, Z. Okay, which order? Wait, did I say Z first? Um... Does he more important well, than a? What about when my needs are in direct conflict with her needs? Well, compatibility so too. That's I mean that that's a. All all relationships are about compromise. But also this Always. too, a mutual mutual innate unspoken understanding that we're two separate people. Absolutely. Like that, like Absolutely. a fundamental, like I don't even, I think if I have to express that to my partner, I need to leave. Absolutely. I like agree Like the completely. very nature of having to express that in my history, like with my current relationship, I don't, 
I would never have to express no. that. There's just like a, it's a thing that's known. It's, it's, it's just known. I can't explain it. it it's hard to explain. I, it's easier to explain the times when that isn't true. But yeah, it's just this. I think it's like, I don't know, man. I think of like uh, a frail, poorly designed organism in this vacuum and they need like very, very specific things, like amounts of, I'm reading a science five book, but uh, like a certain amount of carbon and like oxygen and all this shit inside of it. And it's all up to you to maintain that habitat for them. Like they can't develop that stuff. Like you're on the outside having to like drop it in the little vacuum. Like you're talking about my ex right now? I think so. But it's like, no, you're your own fucking organism. You got here just fine. I guess, hopefully. Like self soothe. Yeah. But I I mean I again, think of this like I know that you are busy with school and all this. The the mutual understanding about separate selves and development and relationship. Oh, okay. My life is pretty small right now. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Um, I don't even have a full-time job. My partner is finishing engineering school. It's his last semester. I need to be his cheerleader. Yeah. Like that, Mary would... A hundred percent just do that. Like I wouldn't have to coach her into like being my cheerleader. Yeah. Well, like I'm, she would be able to register, hey, this is fucking hard for you. You're really busy. I'm sure you're tired. Like, what do you need? Mm. This isn't my time. Right. My time might be later. Like and, I mean, like that, if you look at, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not holding up my relationship as a paragon of health or anything like that, though I think we're pretty good. Um When I was, so when I was in school, my wife was supporting us. I mean, I had my student loans, um, but primarily she was supporting us through working full time um, in a shitty, awful job. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I I had a much more sort of free schedule, et cetera. And I don't imagine she was keeping tabs on you for this. No, not at all. Right. Um, like holding it against you? No, not at all. But, you know, I was, in in that time, I was doing a lot of the cooking. I was um, doing most of the housework. I was, you know, I, I, because at the end of the day, I was, well, or at the beginning of the day, I was home all day. I was home all day until my classes at, you know, yeah. three to eight in the evening. Um. So, you know, I, I, I could do that. I mean, yes, I had work to do, but I could work that around um, getting other stuff done. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, like date life or, or uh, recreation um, because she was working all the time. I was in school. Um, then... And she didn't come at you with, uh, if you wanted to Fuck do it? Fuck no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, 
And then, but th- th- this is what I'm talking about: comfort in the relationship. We, we, we didn't we didn't have to hash this out. It's just the way it happened. Exactly. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I have I have articulated it since then because there have been times that, through no action of hers, no conscious, unconscious, implied or intentional um, uh, action of hers, I have you know like realized oh shit when i come home after my 10 hour working day that i drove an hour to get to and then an hour home from all i'm doing is sitting on the couch and she's in there you know cleaning uh cleaning up after the dinner that she cooked i have articulated and and because i have my own shit felt you know, oh God, I should be doing this, but I really yep. can't think of doing anything more right now. So you like felt guilty, right? Yeah. I felt, but again, through through no no action of hers, um, and and so, so we we have articulated it, but but it, it was not something that you know we had to. I mean, there was no conflict that led to. Well, when you're, when you're using that. the word compromise. I, I heard you react to that. Yeah, and because I don't mean what I what I don't mean by every relationship is about compromise. Is you don't in a healthy relationship, I do not believe you have to compromise yourself. Right. Right. So what I'm like. Uh, so so the thing I got into was that kind of circling back to neurotic self assessment, neurotically self assessing myself out of my own life. And contentment with my own life and thinking, oh, I'm doing life wrong. Because apparently I am. Because you're getting the feedback from your partner. Yeah, I get yeah. constant feedback that I'm, I'm, I'm doing things wrong, that, I, that I'm not doing this correctly, yeah, or that I'm not doing enough. Well, before um, we go to that, let me say this one thing, and then we'll circle to that. The, no, I don't, I don't have like a thing against the term compromise. Mm-hmm. I think like when we're talking about compatibility and like – you don't have to be fully well, but like two people that are like marginally well, yeah, which is more than most. Yes. Like the compromise, when it feels like to compromise means to also self-reject and appease the other. That's the problem. Like a compromise for me in a healthier dynamic is like, oh, I want to do that. It's not like, I feel not every time, but like, yeah. <clears throat> like I want to like be able to give that to that person, whatever it is. Right. There's a there's like yes, an actual yes. now that <clears throat> feeling that is, of it's not like what the fuck oh here we go again why do I have to do this shit right like bite my tongue like feel tension in my chest roll my eyes without showing them right all that shit the no, contempt w- once yeah no yeah I I I, I agree it's like completely. oh I'm compromising it's not really. Like I don't fucking know. Like something as simple as a back scratch or something. Like yeah, I'm put fucking it in terms lazy. of blowjobs. Yeah. Well, I'm just lazy. I'm reading, and she's like, "Oh, can you scratch my back?" And I'm like, "Wow, you know, well, she is a really sweet person." Hmm. Well, what I want to do it's this. A sacrifice. When, when does a compromise become a sacrifice? Well, I don't. I, see, that's scratching, yeah, yeah. What, I'm well, but it's the framing of it in a relationship. Back or well, back and there, I mean, there, you know, there, there, there are sacrifices too. But I, I think I like Evans, I like Evans' uh, distinction about motivation. 
Um, because when you're talking about, like, say for you, you go to Chapel Hill or you carry or whatever, mm-hmm. like, if the the fundamental element of the relationship is was different, you could have easily taken that as self rejection and self sacrifice. Like, to oh move sure, there, I'm giving up. I'm giving but, up this job to to help her in her university. Or right. Whatever. Like it could have easily, in well, a different world, and I mean, created you know, resentment. Right. Right. And and, and yes, it, it didn't. Um, but in a way that was, you know, in a way that is sacrifice. Um, but, but I never heard that you were like, oh, had like uh, animosity or like a big no, not even a little bit, it. not even. A so little then bit. I wouldn't call it sacrifice. I usually th- think of sacrifice well, as like it's causing. No, there's a, it is sacrifice because I gave something up. Um, the, 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 but there, there, I mean, there's in a terms difference. of how we usually use the word. I th- I think of it. As okay. Like, yeah, but well, I mean, but you know, I mean, uh, in a rela- in a typical, in a typical relationship. You are sacrificing promiscuous sex. You are sacrificing right in in a typical monogamous monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. You are sacrificing promiscuous sex. You are sacrificing the thrill of the chase. You are, I mean, you 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 are giving up things, but and. If you are, if you're doing that through some, if that's a problem, if that's something that you're going to resent, then you end up with fucking what is it, Al Bundy, um, serial killer, married? No, it's Ted Bundy, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> married with Ted children. Bundy. <laughs> this this sort of like what <laughs> this sort of married with children idea that your wife just holds you back or your husband no. holds you back and you end up with this this sick trope of of uh, reluctant or resentful sacrifice. Um, but um, uh, I wanted to go back. To, yeah, I was about to yeah. just do that because I what you're talking about like. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going back to what I was talking about earlier, like having this self-assessor happen because of the negative feedback that I'm getting from a person or a so, source. So all here, uh, let, let's. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not familiar with your situation, and I'm not going to ask you to explain the whole thing. Um, but what when you're talking about? being told consistently that that you're not doing enough or you're doing it wrong or j- just give me give me some examples of that it was almost like a clinical where she would say uh that her needs aren't getting met mm-hmm. and then uh like i would ask to i would ask her to elaborate and it was usually time-based you know we're not spending enough time together we're not doing enough stuff together mm-hmm. um i'm not home enough there's a lot of stuff like that but uh, well, then my, you'd Facetime her for three hours a night. Yeah, yeah. So from my perspective, I was I was <laughs> quote unquote like I, I felt like I was giving her quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was there a lot. And so this was long. Time. This is long distance. And some for three months of it. This this relationship was nine months total. Oh, but I'm glad you don't have more sunk in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we lived together for the last. Uh, Last, I guess, three months of it. But would you tighten up his boom arm? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm saying he's, he's 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 like. Oop. No, it's 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 sagging. That one, the one you had your hand on. No. No, it's because it's too heavy. Yeah, you can tighten it more. Not that one. That one. Put it up a little bit. Lift on the other end. Okay, now tighten the shit out of it. Crank it down. There you go. Oh. <laughs> You need some like need no, some mic stand Viagra over here. And then we'll push it farther towards him. I got you. It's an impotent, impotent mic stand. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's better. God, I'm going to have to edit the shit out of this. <laughs> you can find where the blocks of... I hope you just uh, throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to... Oh, no, I'm going to send it to... Never mind. <laughs> no, you should just throw it away. Um, I might never post it, dude. You know, you never she's know. probably going to listen to it. Probably not. Oh, yeah. She listens to shit like this. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Then you get to resolve all she your listens, shit without... Yeah, she told me when you first released the podcast that she listened to it. She was like, did you listen to Evan's podcast? I was like, No. No. She's like, I did. Well, I hope she gained something <laughs> from it. it was probably she's going to gain something from this one, and I'm going to get a phone call. Titanic family saying, dynamics. Uh, that I completely misrepresented the uh, the relationship. Well, no, it she, doesn't matter. She should make a podcast about it. It also doesn't matter if you misrepresent. It's your the, world. The only That's right. The only thing you can do is share your experience. Yeah. So, um, you And know. how you choose to narrate and, and reframe now is your process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now... Because of the uh, the incessant self-assessing that happened towards the end of the relationship and after the relationship. Because at the end of, of the relationship, we had the same conversation a couple of times. And actually, this conversation that her and I had summarizes things pretty well. Where uh, we would talk about how much time we were going to spend together and we would schedule it out. So I would say, like, we, we always spent Saturdays together. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, we agreed that I would stay, I would go to bed at the same time as her three nights a week. And, uh, cause that's what she needed. And because I was studying a lot on campus. Was this on a spreadsheet? Uh, it was, it was shared through, uh, iCalendar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it worked very well for me. And I, I thought. Clearly. Oh, you're an engineer. Yeah, so so I I actually really liked it because it made the expectations very clear. But at the end, when the expectations grew. Uh, to, to more nights a week, uh, I got to the point where we had that same conversation of she needs more from me. And I said, uh, I can't put you in front of school right now. And, and about within two weeks she had broken up with me. Good. And that, that was a giant question for me for the next forever up until now still, because like one of my main priorities was 4.0 GPA in mechanical engineering. Yeah. And as you could probably imagine, that takes quite a bit of time. Yeah. And uh, quite a bit of uh, effort. How did it feel in that moment when you told her, I can't put you in front of school right now? It was relieving because I was telling the truth, finally. 
Because mm-hmm. in a way, I was lying to her the entire time when uh, when I was trying to finagle things such that I was uh, spending enough time with her and putting her right up there with school. Right. And or at least trying to get her to perceive that I was putting her in front of school. Mm-hmm. And so it was freeing in a way because I got to just be open and honest. But it was also it was scary because it's like, all right, this could be the end. But I, that doesn't. It got it got to the point where like it was like, all right, it doesn't matter. This school means so much to me right now mm-hmm. that I would rather lose her than lose school. Mm-hmm. But that's also me catastrophizing losing that 4.0 GPA a little bit, you know, like, is is that the trade off I made? Like, would, if I had sacrificed a little bit of time towards school and then sacrificed that 4.0 GPA, would the relationship have survived anyways? No. And when I well, think about that, it, I it think might probably have. not. I it might know. have. It might have. And, and then so you would scary. be, well, and then you would be in a relationship with somebody who thought it was acceptable to ask you to sacrifice Sacrifice your career. Your yeah. I mean, even even if a four zero is not the be all and end all, and it's not for anyone who's listening to this who's in school. Um, but that was an important thing to for you. And she so it's somebody up. who's asking mm-hmm. you to sacrifice that, which is a very important thing to you, for some sort of arbitrary. I have a need that's not being met. I mean, that's that's uh, good riddance. Well, and yeah. she couldn't, she wouldn't accept that she, that she was asking me to sacrifice that. She said, "I'm not asking you to put me in front of school." Oh, okay. I'll like, use my oh. time turner. It's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. We we have this in in eye calendar. You're clearly asking for more time than school has right now. Like, we can quantify what you're but asking. But the for. the brain does that too in breakups too, as it oversimplifies. The toxicity. And Mm. so it's like, oh, if I would have done these two things differently, then the entire dynamic of the relationship would have been different. So, which has never been my experience. What strikes me here, (laughs) what strikes me here is that the idea, I mean, so so the idea of a relationship that is uh, quantified and tracked in, you know, a spreadsheet essentially. Is is such a uh, an absurd idea to me that I mean I, I could see that in Dilbert, I could see that in you know yeah Dilbert's my man. Well, uh, you're an engineer, um, but I mean I, I, I could see I can see that in a comic strip, and I think I've arrived at a good sort of litmus test. Which is, if you could see your relationship being described in a comic strip, <laughs> it's probably not one you actually need to like put much time and effort into. Or if it could be on MTV, if people would want to, yeah, watch, there you go. If people would want to watch your relationship, watch your relationship on fucking real world. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, if your relationship would gain an audience. Yeah. <laughs> the end of it yeah. certainly would have. <laughs> oh man which is not something we'll get into here but yeah the the cheerleader phrasing i i really like she I tried very briefly in the last week she tried but again but that's, i had to ask but I we're all for it. but in that dynamic we're all augmenting ourselves into people we aren't 
like that's what I'm talking about, like this kind of innate mutual rhythm of mm. a relationship. Like my my ex, if I told her like, Hey, um, I'm starting my own company and I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even I don't even want to venture down what the fuck that would have been like with her because it'd just be pain and suffering. However, in this <laughs> dynamic, I didn't have to vocalize like, "Hey, I want you to ask me about it," or "I need you to like uh, be excited for me when I get a new client," or yeah. like be happy for me when no, my company you is successful. Have to. Like, but right, but like in my previous relationship, I would swallow that and not vocalize it, and then. Right at some point probably mention it and then I would be a dick or something. Well, so well, it this, seemed like you tried to change your last ex in order to, to, mm-hmm. to meet your needs. For sure. Towards, towards the end after I had like swallowed mine for a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like that rhythm of I did, like <clears throat> it's, Oh, that's what I've noticed recently is like things will happen and in, and then in retrospect I'm like oh I needed that mm-hmm. I didn't even it happened before I knew I needed it like like a hand on my shoulder or her mm-hmm. saying like I'm I'm proud of you or like I'm excited like this yeah. is awesome like when I think of it after she said it or done something I'm like oh I needed that <laughs> yeah it's it was a a thing that happened naturally that I didn't have to like dictate or orchestrate or convince. Yeah. And so when we have these conversations, because there's there's actually research. It's it's great. I want to meet this guy. I need to read some more of this stuff. Talks about like therapy talk and how in actual here and now relationship it can easily be perceived as condescension and actually inhibit connection. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think that that. Uh, that resonates with a lot of what I know of your recent relationships. Like I, I like when they're like, I need, I need when the, like a girl starts talking about their fucking love languages and like, I need this from you. And you just started uh, what your need was with a you instead of I statement and like all this shit. Mm-hmm. It's so fucked. Like yeah. once you're at that point, just leave, <laughs> just run away. Well, I couldn't. She was the only only one in f- in five years. The only one that would ever even like, yeah, kind of love you. That's right. And now yeah. I'm alone again. Well, and you so know, you talk about that net and and changing the the holes in your net to only allow certain ones in. But there's there's nothing coming in. What about when there's nothing coming in? Well, so then you just so get I have a, net I have a theory about that. Your way. What 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 I can say from my personal experience is. Fuck am I hearing? Oh, it's next door. Yeah. Okay. Cocksuckers. Um, redneck motherfuckers. Um, uh, oh, they're fucking playing yeah, cornholing again. Yeah. Listening to Kenny Chesney, which definitely meant a different thing when I was growing up. Cornhole was a very different thing. Like butt rape. Essentially, yeah. I mean, <laughs> cor- cornhole does does not res- does not refer to a board with a hole in it. Your cornhole is something you got between your cheeks um but uh oh fuck oh personal experience in 
so I, I had I had essentially spent eighteen to twenty five. Twenty five? Something like that. Twenty five, twenty six. Um, I, I had spent not actually pursuing relationship um, and just, and I, I, I'm a big believer in sex that's devoid of emotion. Um, <laughs> I, I believe it exists and I think it has a perfectly healthy place. Um, yeah. And so that again, for 18 to 26, that was that was the extent of my uh, romantic or sexual entanglement was just meaningless recreation. Um, And what kept happening was I would see someone a couple of times and what was meaningless recreation for me, no matter what fucking Boundary boundary or expectations we had set at the beginning... Someone would end up catching feelings, and I would say, "Well, fuck this! You've, 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 you've uh, defaulted on your part of the contract here." Bye. Um, and and then and then it just it just happened. I mean, it just happened that that I ended up. In, I mean, I, I sure as shit, again, was not pursuing a relationship. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey. It's okay. Yes, hey. they're rednecks. You're hey. right. Hey. They're rednecks. Lie down. It's okay. They're rednecks who have much more money than we do. What a good boy. Talk to them. Yes. Have to show them them. Have to do what? Oh, take them out. Yeah, yeah. Go outside. (gasps) Nice catch. This girl was the first girl I dated when I got clean. And uh, I had been clean for almost five years when we started dating. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, then it makes sense that it would be a crash and burn. (laughs) Yeah, that's what everybody said. Yeah. (laughs) What? (sighs) 
Yo. So yeah, my my it was meaningless sex for a lot of years for me. And then what started off as much the same I ended up getting invested into. Um and I don't know I mean <sighs> I guess the the sort of trite twelve steppy way of thinking about it is don't force it, um, or at least that's what that's what worked for me. I mean, you know, the, the the couple of times that I did try to force it, everything went sideways very quickly, and was not something that I really had any interest in in having. Um, but I mean, you know, mine's weird in, in that I don't think that many healthy relationships are sort of founded on just sex. I think that most of the time it's friendship that develops sex. Well, I I mean, I don't know. I had sex with Mary the first night I met her. Good. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, Mary. So, so <laughs> she doesn't listen to this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she sent it to her dad. Um, uh, but but you're you're talking about this because he's saying I've met one person in well, X amount of and, years, and and I'm I'm talking about this because uh, yeah, I mean, t- talking about I've been, you know, this is the first person I've dated in five years being clean. I mean, that's. That sounds like desperation. That sounds like you are equating... That sounds like you're thinking at some level to be alone now is to be alone forever. Um, And that certainly has not been the case for me. I think I think you know forcing it you were Evan desperately trying to force it for a long time. Yeah. Got to make it work hitting a bunch of screwdrivers into sheetrock with a hammer. Right. And you know I don't know. Well, there have should fun. be a there have, should be a sense of ease. Yeah, have fun, be comfortable. Get fucked. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if if something more serious develops, then it develops. But but it doesn't seem. I mean, fucking agonizing and fuck my okay. So so it had been like. I don't know. I, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, it had been not that many weeks, um, before my now wife told me that she loved me, <laughs> and I went I went oh fuck. Fuck this! It's happening again. Um, and I, I said that essentially to her. I said, "Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not comfortable with that." 
Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like I, I, you know, I, I know that the thing to do is to say I love you back, but I, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, um, that's better than lying about it. I am. I have enjoyed my time with you. I like you too. Um, and and you know she was fine with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean her her response, which I think was perfect. Her response was, uh, you know, I've I've lost too many people. I've lost too many people. That like to not say what I mean in the moment. Exactly. Or something. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, yes, that's exactly it. But going back to um, this whole fear of alone forever thing. Yes. Uh, I think in the near future, you will look at this previous relationship as as uh, water in the drought. I think I think that's what it'll it'll become. But um you think? I think you'll look at it as a fucking dodged bullet. Well, no, that too. But I'm saying like the not having a experience in a romantic relationship for a while and then having one. I mean, it certainly has instilled us a, a deeper sense of confidence in talking to women or dating. Granted, it, you were doing it prematurely. But it happened much more than it ever had. So um, I think like right now that's where the work of like I've been through a lot of breakups clean. What I can tell you is if I'm starting to date under the foundation of holy shit, I don't want to be alone Mm. or is anyone ever going to love me again? Mm. I have no fucking business doing it because anyone I attract is going to be fucking crazy or I'm going to be crazy. So that that was one so, of So <laughs> what? One of my thoughts a little while back I I I'd forgotten it was I, I was going to ask you how I was going to ask you to explain how to attract um emotional retards and personality disorders. Oh, how? Yeah. Uh have a mother with one. Uh, okay. So it's not really <laughs> Have a in mother your with a personality disorder. <laughs> so it's not really in your control, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, it's it's just... Oh, I said retard. Uh, oh, Jesus. It's all right. I say all sorts of fucked uh, up shit on her. <laughs> it's easier to say. Yes, um, people that need ramps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe just say that next time. But, uh, like, yeah, having, having those knee-jerk feelings being the propulsion system for me to pursue relationship is very bad. Yeah. Uh, God, I'm reading that sci-fi book for real. Propulsion. <laughs> about vacuums. Uh, We're talking about little organisms that you're, yeah. Yeah, she was your fucking astrophage, dude. <laughs> Star eater. Um, yeah, I, I think like, it, it's corny to say relationship with self, but beyond that, and the healing of my last relationship and then starting to date again, I looked at it as like getting to know people and not under the precedent that like I need to be loved or I need to make sure this relationship works. And if it doesn't, then I'm alone. Like I didn't approach it that way at all. It was just like, oh, I'm going to meet this person and like I may never see him again. And that's probably more likely than anything else, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, you didn't force I mean, it. 
I, it was just, I was like, I'm going to meet a lot of people. And I did. I met like, I don't know, 15 people. And some were boring as shit. Or like, I could tell they were really insecure. Like they, they weren't confident. Take, I like you. Right. Yeah. I would. I started to like. St- I stopped vetting and and um, being something I wasn't like in these more insidious ways. Like my fear when I meet people is that they can't handle me, or that I'll be too intense, or I'll scare them off with my honesty or my vulnerability. Yeah. But in reality. If I'm false, I call it like false advertising, right? If I meet someone and I'm not sure, because that's who I am, right? I'm, I can be intense, intentional, intimate, exposing, raw, all that. That's pretty much who I am. So if I'm false advertising and I'm instead being guarded and hesitant mm-hmm. and calculated and wondering what they're going to think of me and all this stuff, I'm selling them someone who isn't me. Yeah. So then once I finally become the very person that I actually am, they're not even going to like that person. Yeah. And that So that's, I have to lead with this like, "Oh, yeah. hey, I like you." Yeah. What? Oh, that's so weird. It's like, "Oh, I don't need more." Do you know how I led with my now wife? What? <laughs> I I I Did you throw a bag of dildos at her or something? Close. Um <laughs> No, these are was, mine. It was <laughs> like what? No, it was. I like these. It was, <laughs> no, it was. It was like. Uh, so before we do this, I feel like I have to let you know I fuck a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. Um, or something, something along those lines. Yeah, because if like you're found, it's like <laughs> if you're dating someone, they they never know you're in recovery or something. Right. It's like how can you really build yeah. something like that? Yeah. So, um, but it was like, yeah, I think like, cause I had built so many, yeah, every relationship I had built prior to then, the early phases were like pinkies out, sipping champagne, <clears throat> talking yeah. about art on the wall. Yeah. Not intentionally, um, <clears throat> but just being very reserved and trying to be patient and like all this shit. Yeah. And I, I was I, I claimed I didn't like games, but I was one of the main players in retrospect. Yeah. Because I wasn't being intentional with my word or, or leaning in with my authentic self without fear. So it's like, hey, this is who I well, am. Well, it's hard I mean it's hard to do that without fear because you when you when you are presenting your authentic self, you are also Opening up that authentic self to vulnerability to rejection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean but, the, 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 that's hard. Whether it's romantic or even with friendships, that can be hard. But I think the shift for me, whenever it's like early phase of getting to know a, a, a new person I'm dating or something, is like I didn't take it as they were rejecting me. Right. I took it as, oh, well, glad I did that. Now we're not compatible. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, like, I think that's a much healthier way to think about it. It wasn't like, what's wrong with me? I'm so stupid. Why'd I say that? Right. I should change how I say that next time so right. that she's not insecure. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, it was, oh, oh, good. Well, this felt natural for me. It felt real. Mm-hmm. I wasn't manipulating a situation. Mm-hmm. I was being honest. And they didn't like it or it wasn't in their language yeah. or whatever it was. Cool. I have my answer. Now I know. 
Well, and that's and that's yeah, and, and the same way you were. I mean, you know, we we learn we learn something with each little episode, and hopefully, well, yeah, well, you yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know a lot of people who don't seem to learn. Well, th- th- there's or a not big yet. difference, there's a big difference between learning and and uh, actually modifying as a result. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you you learn what you're compatible with, and you learn what you're willing to put up with, and what you're not, and well, and to be able to own that confidently, yeah, right, because. I think in some early relationships, I I had known some of that, but I knew if I were to uphold it, mm-hmm. it would mean to be left. Right. So then that's where the sacrifice comes in. Yeah. But somewhere along the lines, I have to become more important than the risk of being left. Well, and being being <laughs> well, that's yes, exactly. Being being left is far preferable, I think, to to living in or or being being really invested in something that does not allow you to be your authentic self so yep yeah does that answer your question do you remember yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right well we can call it so yeah I, i wanted to i didn't find a I didn't find a place to put this in, but at some point, maybe you can splice this in. Okay, so so back to CBT, <laughs> which I think is a good episode title, yeah. actually. Um, anyway, okay. Like, okay, back to CBT? like Back to CBT, because we've talked about cock and ball torture, and it's a therapy podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I wish that I could... Well, I thought you were making fun of behavioral therapists well like uh, yeah like uh they're talking about something that's abstract and an identity and they're like then they hand a worksheet okay back to cbt <laughs> <laughs> i'm uncomfortable well, there's, there's here that you go. too there's that too here's a worksheet yeah. i don't know what to do here yeah uh, i think i have a worksheet for that we hope you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe so you're notified of new episodes Rate and review this podcast and share it with your network. Thank you greatly for listening, and we hope we gave you some new ideas that help you develop as a counselor, or perhaps incorporate into your psychotherapy practice. You can contact Evan Miller, Melissa Martin, or Eli Branscombe. Please email contact us at tellmeaboutyourmother.run. Run.